Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Now, on the Sandro Forte podcast in the past, we've welcomed many guests that have achieved incredible things in their respective careers. But my next guest today has done that in two incredible careers, because today I'm joined by the rather fantastic David McKinnon, uh, a former professional footballer who, post-retirement from a fabulous sporting career that saw him play for the likes of Rangers and Dundee, uh, and has had, since then, multiple and very diverse roles in the world of business. And I have to say, he's achieved a very high level of success in that as well. So no doubt we're going to be picking this man's brain on two different and very diverse aspects of his life. Um, The sporting success leading into business success. We don't often get the two of them working hand in hand. So I'm not quite sure how we're going to fit this in 30 minutes, but we'll do our absolute best. Uh, David McKinnon, we have so much in common, as we were discussing at the top of the show, and lots of mutual connections, which I'm sure will come out of our conversation. But of course, the first point of order is to thank you so much for finding the time to join us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. No, it's a great pleasure, Sandro, and I really look forward to it. It's good to to take a deep breath sometimes and just talk about the past and talk about the future as well and align it all. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, a, a you know, an incisive discussion and see what comes from it. Well, you know what? The first thing I've got to get out of the way uh, as a a bit of housekeeping, David, is I'm old enough to remember watching you play football. So uh, we've got that in common. We're of a similar age. And actually, uh, we have a connection in uh, in Alloa, uh, in that lovely part of Scotland. So um, let's start, if we may, maybe we can weave in the conversation around Alloa. Um, But first of all, I think for those of you who may not you know, necessarily follow football or be of an age that remembers watching you play with the likes of Ali McCoist and before your your trip up to Scotland to play football, I think you were playing at Arsenal at the age of 16. So for those people who don't know David McKinnon, let's let's get a bit of a CV if we can. Well, I think uh, I played, managed to play uh, 20 years as a a professional uh, and played, started at Arsenal at 16 years of age, was there for four seasons. Uh, and had an absolutely tremendous grounding, not only in football, but in life. They did things properly at Arsenal, and that, that set me up for basically for life. And uh, indeed, as I went on to the business career, uh, there was a lot of lessons learned there. I made a big mistake where I had a, a decent contract at Arsenal at 20 and decided that um, Dundee would be a better option for me than London. Uh, And within about uh, a week, I discovered that that was the wrong thing to do. But I recovered and uh, managed to uh, play for Dundee, Partick Thistle, Glasgow Rangers, Airdrie in Scotland, Kilmarnock. uh, And lastly, probably one of the most memorable was at Forfar Athletic. So... uh, uh, that was that was tremendous in the football. And then went into business um, and initially in hospitality, and then back into sport again. So it's been wide and varied. It's um, 
been, uh, I can't believe that uh, how, how long it's been, because it just seems like yesterday. So a lot of the memories are, are very uh, lucid with me, uh, despite the fact that uh, as a professional footballer, I used to head medicine balls and training. So, <laughs> so um, uh, maybe the future's not as bright as it may have been. Well, I was going to say the first thing to say is that, you know, talking to a, a lucid, uh, very bright individual like you, having done what you've done in the in the game of football, heading, as you say, those rather wet leather footballs on a Saturday afternoon. The fact that you're still with us mentally, David, is a, is a USP in itself. Yeah, well, I, I, I count my blessings every evening. <laughs> That's it. But, uh, you know, times have changed, but... Uh, you know, going down to uh, Arsenal as a 16-year-old, it was incredible because, you know, nowadays uh, footballers are pampered 24 hours a day and they've got people on call, etc. But I had to make my way down uh, from Houston, uh, from uh, Glasgow Central to Houston, get across the uh, King's Cross Underground, get the, the tube to Bounds Green and then walk about three miles to my lodgings uh, in the dark. So... Um, as a six-year-old dragging a suitcase, I don't think that would be acceptable these days. But um, it was wonderful experience because, um, you know, as I said, it, it, the grounding not only in, in football but in life, you know, great standards, um, set the bar, uh, and, you know, basically um, you, every performance was analysed, uh, encouragement, coached, uh, and you know, allowing you to to communicate verbally uh, and in body language, that kind of thing that, that that you did, it was it was magnificent. And I was actually it opened me up as an individual, and it, it was a great grounding uh, in life. And as I say, I was able to use a lot of those great lessons that I learned in, in later life in business. There are, of course, David, aren't there? All these stories about the apprentices cleaning the senior players' football boots. Would you, would you say, I mean, clearly the, the game of football has, has moved on an awful long way from the days that, you know, you were running up and down a pitch on a Saturday afternoon. But you talk about the grounding and the lessons that you learned. What, what were some of those things? Because, you know, you've become very successful in business. And what I want to try and coax out the conversation today, if I may, is the things that you clearly learned, that foundation piece that you picked up when you were a young man uh, signing your first professional contract all the way through, you carried that through into business and became successful at that. So were there a number or are there a number of traits uh, that you believe you needed to have as an individual or to develop as an individual that have stood you in good stead for later life? Yeah, it was. And I think the thing is what it gave you was humility. Uh, it gave you uh, respect for people. And I think that is something that, you know, I've used throughout my, my career in football and, and in business. First and foremost, respect someone, respect uh, their aspects, understand exactly what makes them tick, what part they play in the team, because that's important, you know, that, um, you know, I knew my contribution to a, a team early on. I knew what I could contribute and I knew what my, my teammates could contribute. And we we got together and worked very, very hard, but it was a mutual respect. And I think that's something that, um, you know, is lost at times. I think that, um, you know, people who drive businesses forward sometimes don't think about how they're affecting other people. And certainly in football, that was something that uh, was fundamental to me. And it was a great lesson to learn, you know, just, you know, business, 
is very much like football, you know, very, very much like football. You know, you lay, you lay out a clear and inclusive strategy and a system of delivery. You know, in the football team, you lay out, the manager lays out how the team's going to play, how you play within that system and what you can contribute and communicate that in an effective way that everyone understands because that's hugely important because whilst it's in the mind of the manager and then the, of the, the business manager, getting people to understand that and keeping them informed is a, is a big, big thing. And I've worked with you know, around um, probably 10 managers during my career, uh, some great, some good, and some maybe not so good. Um, and a lot of that was down to com communication and, and also keeping calm because, you know, managers, for example, in business or football, you know, need that calmness. They need people to uh, to look to them for guidance. And if they're flapping about like a budgie, then the whole thing is out the window. If you look at some of the wonderful um, you know, documentaries on the clubs, the streaming service, Tottenham, for example, in Manchester City, if you look at Mourinho and Guardiola, they are calmness personified. And um, that is ultimately where uh, a management manager should be, both in football and in, in um, business. So, you know, it's, it's continually re-evaluating, tweaking it, understanding what the, the opposition do, because um, the good points and the bad points, taking the good points and try and improve on that. So I think football, the, you know, the, the, the way I've operated in business reflects being a football team, getting people inclusive, being part of it, letting them know where they fit in within the system and uh, how they can succeed and also sharing success because I've been involved in, in a few businesses where I've been learning from people. And um, one of the things that switches people off is that um, the when you have a success personally, it's uh, not treated as a team success, it's treated by the manager's success. And um, someone once said to me, success is many masters. And uh, I fully understand that because uh, that's a significant part. So inclusive keeping people and in, in, in making them feel valued that that's got to be the long-term strategy for any business and indeed any football club mm. so you you know you talk about this 20-year career in football i mean listen that you're you're right up where they're with the best of them in terms of longevity in the game if you've survived you know 20 years without significant injury but clearly david like any person in sport or business there have been setbacks you know the first one for you was making a decision to move to dundee from arsenal Maybe, maybe not the brightest looking back, but um, you made that decision for all the right reasons at the time. How do you deal with the setbacks? You know, because it would be very easy, wouldn't it, to look back from, uh, from Dundee and kind of go, if only. And do you know what? We get so many emails from people who say, you know, I live with regret. I really struggle to overcome the last decision I made because I think of all of its implications. And it was it the right thing to do. Or because people can't be sure that they're going to make the right decision, they just do nothing. And we get asked a lot of questions from people saying, can we hear from guests on how we overcome this kind of inertia when we're faced with a two paths and we don't know which one to go down? So given what you've said, how do you deal with, you know, the, the regret or the, um, the, the little setbacks, however big or small they are? How does David McKinnon deal with those? Well, I, if you take the Arsenal example, I've got a wonderful wife who's a mentor to me and, and, and tells me to let the red balloons go and don't think about the past. Let it go and we'll let it fly away. 
And I, I tend to do that and, you know, I, I, I you keep something around and then eventually let it go. Because the big thing is, as we all know, that you can't change the past, but you can influence the future. Uh, probably one of the, the great turning points uh, in my life, um, at the time it wasn't so, so good, but when I was 24, I was playing at the top of my game. I'd get back involved in teams. I played for the Scottish League International. So I got an international cap under um, Jock Steen. Things were looking bright. And then I started to feel a lot of fatigue. And I thought, what's happening here? You know, playing the Premiership in Scotland, playing really well, the captain of the team. Uh, and eventually uh, got major tests and discovered a tuberculosis. And what it done, it actually uh, eaten away at my right, right kidney. So uh, I got an operation for the, the removal of, of my right kidney. So from 24 years of age, uh, I you know, had that traumatic uh, major operation. Uh, and I was actually sitting in my private room at the hospital um, about two days after it. And the Scottish television had a, a programme on a sports programme on a Saturday night. And it said the uh, headlines were Dave McKinnon, Patrick Thistle, fullback, his career is over tonight after the removal of a kidney. So this is 10 o'clock at night, I'm on my own. Uh, there was a wonderful manager that we had called Bertie Old. You may know him, he's a Lisbon Lion, played with Celtic. And uh, he'd been at his favourite Italian restaurant and someone had told him that this was on. So the next thing he comes into the, the, the room, smoking a big cigar and says, um, listen, I've, I've you know heard about that. Don't you worry about it. I'll get everything sorted. In fact, I phoned the chairman and we're going to get some sun in your back when you get out here. I thought, well, that's great. So I'm getting the brochures. It's October. I'm looking at Barbados. You know, like, uh, you know, I said, worst, worst of all, it'll be Tenerife. So I'm in there for two weeks. I get out and I get home. And then the doorbell goes and um, guy, sunbed for Mr. McKinnon. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of uh, thing brings you down to earth because you then realise, you know, humour uh, in these circumstances is probably the best thing. But what I did during that fortnight when uh, after the removal of my kidney, I thought, what's wrong with my game? Where do I want to get to? Let's analyse what, what is good, what is bad, what I need to improve. Uh, and I always remember the words of Alan Ball at Arsenal. They said to me, he said, what you have to do is you have to run from the first minute to the last minute because people will know you. If you're running in the last 15, 20 minutes of a game and getting in and giving everything, that's the memory they take back with you. So that will get you noticed. And what I said, I need to do that. So I changed my game completely, came back, captained the team again and got a major transfer to Rangers uh, over a year later. And that would never happened if that adversity hadn't hit me with my kidney, because I know I'd have maybe continued, uh, I had a chance to go back to England to play, but playing for Glasgow Rangers is a huge thing, and that would never have happened if I had not had that, you know, uh, injury, dramatic injury, uh, and then re reassessed my my situation, my future. So I think that's a point, uh, you know, to, to be made that adversity is for a reason. I always believe that it's reason, good things and bad things, is how you react to it and how you get back on the horse, really. And that, for me, was was a game changer. And, and that really escalated my career back to where I wanted it to get to. Well, I think you're being, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to challenge you, but I think you're being very modest to say that the 
the tuberculosis. I mean, it's extraordinary to think you're playing football with, with TB, but um, you go through this, you know, this, well, what, what for many people would be a life-changing event. I would suggest it's the mindset, it's the what happened next and how you dealt with it that was really key here. And, and to go through, you know, you're at the top of your game, as you said, you're captaining the team, you were in good form, international cap. There was no reason to change anything. I think that's the important message for people listening. No reason to change. And yet it still wasn't enough. You went through that process of reevaluation and made improvements, despite the fact that there was probably no obvious reason to change anything. So that continuous desire to self-improve. Um, and then I think, I suppose the other, uh, the, the other big life event for you, David, would be the end of the career. You know, I know that footballers live in much more of a bubble today than they did in your day. But nevertheless, it must have been a very, very difficult transition from a game you loved at being your life for 20 years with all the people that was uh, around you and that, that daily routine to a completely new world. I know you say there's some parallels between sport and business, but how did you deal with the transition? Was it was it a kind of a fall off the edge of a cliff moment or was it something you'd planned for a while? Did you take to a, a new career like a duck to water or was it quite difficult? Well, it's again, it's probably because of the situation I'd been with my tuberculosis, I actually I was able to deal with it a bit, bit better and it came in a strange way. Um, I was playing at Rangers and um, I got a cartilage injury and I get a removal of the cartilage. And I think it was probably, it was maybe a week or so, two weeks after the, the injury uh, when I'm on the treatment table and the manager comes in on a Friday and says, um, we're playing Celtic tomorrow, you have to play, we've got injuries. Now, in those days, uh, you valued your career and you, you didn't think that, you know, this could cause me damage. But I played against Celtic, scored a goal uh, in, a, in an amazing four-each game, probably. It's the only time I've ever played against Celtic when both set of supporters cheered the teams off the park because it was such an epic. My cousin, I actually headed the, the, the goal to make it 4-3, but my cousin, Murdo McLeod, played with Celtic and he mis-hit miss one from 35 yards in the top corner and it was 4-8, so everyone was happy. But I, Graham Soonis came in and um, he said to me, I know about your knee problem, I need you to play. We need to get into Europe, we need you to play. And I said, right, OK, I'll do it. But I damaged my knee pretty badly. And it came to the final game of the season. It was a, a Glasgow Cup tie against Celtic, 50,000 at Ibrooks. Uh, and uh, the manager called me in before the game and he said, we've had a wee assessment of your knee and uh, you have to go part-time. There's no way that you can continue playing full-time. I said, all right. And I said, do you want to continue to play tonight? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I played, we beat Celtic 3-2, Ali McCoy, good friend of us both scored three and um, I set them up, uh, which was great. But I'm leaving the pitch and I don't want to go because I'm the only person in the ground, apart from Graham Soonis, that knows this is my final game. So I go in and he announces that the players, and then this is how football works, is the fact is that I was being paid to the end of the month. I took my boots I wore number four jersey that night and I thought, I'm keeping this jersey. And I'm, as I'm walking out through the marble corridors of Ibrooks, got my boots in my hand, I've got the number four, and the kit man comes and tries to steal the number four jersey. So it was my last tackle at, at, at Ibrooks. I kicked him in a place that uh, he shouldn't be kicked, and I took the jersey and walked out, and I get paid to the end of the month, and that was it. So, 
So how do you deal with that? I, I, you know, in actual fact, it was a blessing because I was 30 years of age. I had to go and do something. And, and thankfully, I managed to get a job with uh, tenants, part of Bass Group, Bass PLC, uh, and their managed house division. And once I was in there, I was able to use the same principles that I believed in regarding treating people, people fairly, engaging them, bringing them on and developing. And I significantly had a great career at Tenants. I was there for 12 years. But that would not have happened if I'd not had that injury. So therefore, it's all, for me, when I look back, everything is for a reason, whether good and bad. And I think that experience for me to go in and get into industry quicker and then use my, I still had determination. I did play uh, for another three teams as a part-timer. Uh, scored a, a goal to get Kumar promoted, a penalty in the last six minutes as captain. So these are the kind of memories that I've got, but it was a turning point again in my career. And I was, because of my kidney situation, I was able to, to recognise it for what it was and get it into perspective. So so these kind of things, these these things that you experience in life set you up. I, I tell you what, your wife's done a very good job on you, David. Uh, you're you're so you're you're so philosophical about everything, so kind of sanguine and laid back. I, I love the I love your attitude. It, it's making me smile listening to your story about moving to to effectively a brewery company with one kidney. I mean that the irony there, <laughs> the irony there is not lost on me one little bit. Um Let's let's turn our attentions, if we may now, to to the David McKinnon's business career, because I did I did say during the introduction that you'd achieve great things in, in two different spheres of, of life, um, albeit as we've discussed, they're kind of inextricably linked. Um, ZLX, just tell us about ZLX and the and the work that you do um, uh, as a result of your association with ZLX Business Solutions. Well, I um, I I'd, my career went to tens for twelve years. Um, was involved um, with others in creating brands such as O'Neill's, All Bar One, um, JNR Tenant, the first man, uh, airside uh, pub uh, at Glasgow Airport. So I had a really good career. And as I said, the, the educational part, I'll, I'll dwell on this just a bit, again, with a company like Tenants, was exceptional. Um, as I started to move up the ladder in the managed house division, they then decided... Uh, in their wisdom to say, right, okay, well, you can run our uh, catering division. Now, I couldn't boil an egg at that time, and I thought, how do I do that? But such was the um, the influence of, 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 of tenants and actually um, having real structures and educating people. They took me out the the business for three months to work for Toby Restaurants. Um, you know, um, basically, commie chef, uh, wine waiter, stock taker, you name it, every aspect of catering I fully understood. And I did that for three months and then went back into the business running the catering division. Now, that kind of uh, support with Islet Football, and I was very fortunate that I was I worked for a wonderful company. I then uh, basically was, was asked to go and head, I was headhunted to go and run Scotland's uh, largest independent pub group at that time and uh, get involved in it. It was, it was underwater. I managed to turn it round and it was sold for £21 million. Pounds. I had an equity in it, but there was a lot of debt, so it's not uh, the panacea that, that I uh, believe, but it was great. And, and then I decided I'll get back into football, been chief executive of, of several clubs 
uh, get involved in events in, in the Middle East and the Far East and China. So that kind of career thing set me up. And I was asked to get involved in ZLX a couple of years ago. It's a company that, that successfully have put back over 30 million back into the UK businesses through the Chancellor's uh, R&D tax credit scheme. Uh, there's been, uh, originally there was uh, 20 odd million put into, uh, 20 odd billion put into it and the, the, the budget, the, the Chancellor put another 25 billion in it. So he's committed to 2032 and it's for innovation and in raising the bar in, in businesses. Um, and the, the, the kind of the, the numbers are that uh, the UK is around one percent of GDP spent in, in RMD. Uh, in the eighties, it was in somewhat nineteen twenty percent. Around Europe, it's, it's about two percent. Countries like South Korea are about six percent. So it stimulates the economy, and it's a wonderful scheme. So ZLX, as I say, originally approached me. I couldn't do it because I was helping out a football team through COVID. Uh, as our chief executive, so when when that I did that and, and, and made sure that they were back in the, the straight and narrow, I came back into the business to assess it. It's gone, uh, as I say, from from zero to uh, you know turning over a significant amount of money. Does it professionally, uh, and I'm that in now as the as the managing director and, and really looking at the growth structure, how we can implement things to make get it to the the, the different level. But it's it's wonderful and, and people. I met someone who said to me, have you ever been involved in this before? I said, no. I said, but I, th I said, one of the things about, you know, being in business is skills are very much transferable. And it's about the principles of how you how you, you organize a business, how you get staff involvement. All these factors work. Getting a good team about you, it's a bit like the football team. Getting a good football team, telling them how you want them to play encourage them, support them, give them training, get really good individuals, and you will then get to the next level. So it's working, uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, it's a wonderful set of people um, that, that, that we, we have in our employee, and it's, it's certainly a breath of fresh air for me in the, the twilight of my career scene. Well, I, I don't think it's the twilight of your career at all, from what I can hear. I mean, I, I've, I've watched you play football. I remember the days... Um, of, of David McKinnon and all, all the guys you've mentioned uh, running around you on, on a football pitch. And one of the things I would say, David, and, and hopefully you'll accept this in the manner in which it's intended, you know, you were a great leader of men. That was obvious to see. And of course, it wasn't just one club you were captain of. It, it was, uh, as you mentioned before, several. So there are clear qualities that you have as an individual that you've transferred into business. Uh, so no great surprise that you're doing as well as you are in business. Are there any particular qualities that you felt, and I'm not asking you to be immodest here, um, but are there any particular qualities that you felt that you had that you would encourage others to develop in order to be great leaders of a, a football team or a business or anything else for that matter? Well, I think first and foremost, it's it's not about the person leading it. It's about the people that, that, that are working for you. Uh, and it's, it's about maximising their ability uh, encouraging them, um, you know, structuring a lot of things. One of the things at, at Tenets was a lot of structure about how you uh, had meetings. You know, I've, I've eliminated meetings for meetings sake. There's structure, there are action plans, they're short, sharp, and everyone knows um, how and what they have to do to, to achieve and maximise 
their their contribution to the company. Everyone within the co each company that I've been involved with knows what everyone else is and what impact that they have on other people. And I think that that kind of base where um, you know people are actively encouraged to be all they can be, uh, and it's it's amazing. We've got a lot of graduates that we bring into the company, and you know when they come in, um, they've been through university. Uh, have not a lot of experience of working in the corporate world, but by us encouraging them, you see them developing and blossoming. And I, I, to be honest, um, I am extremely uh, excited about the growth of this country with the, the exceptional talent we've got, um, because far too easily people are, are basically discarded because they don't tick this box or tick that box. It's about encouraging people to be all they can be. And as I say, I've seen graduates come in and really blossom through our company as I've done in many other companies. And that's the secret for me, really just encouraging them and be there for them and be calm and be, be understanding and have a clear focus uh, and don't lose your head when others are, are doing that around you. Um, what about, uh, do you have a professional highlight, whether it be football or in business or one of each? Is there anything that really stands out as a, as a and I know you've probably been asked this question and I'm, I'm just going to have to indulge me for a second. Um, you know, the career highlights, was there one that stood out above anything else, David? Well, ironically, I played in, uh, I played in Europe a lot and, uh, you know, and that was, that was exceptional and there's a lot of decent memories. I played against some incredible players uh, it turned me inside out, uh, and but I admired them. Uh, but probably my my greatest uh, achievement was in the twilight of my career, uh, and I was I think I was thirty five years of age, and I was a captain of Kilmarnock, and they when I went to the to Kilmarnock, they were the second worst team in Scotland. They were second bottom of the bottom league in Scotland. Only East Stirling were were were, were worse than them, uh, and. The, 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 there was a new owner, they were very enthusiastic and they wanted, they brought me in to organise things and I organised, I played in the middle of the park and organised all the young players and coached them throughout the game. We started to creep up the league. We then brought in Tommy Burns, the wonderful um, Celtic uh, player who sadly uh, died. He was a, became a really, really good friend of mine and him and I coached the players on the park and we saw the club coming up getting up the league, getting up the league, getting up the league. And we thought, right, this is this is working. Uh, and the crowd started going from 1,000 up to 4,000, up to 6,000. So the whole place was, was, was really moving forward. And we missed a penalty, ironically, against East Stirling uh, around about Christmas. And the manager said to me, you should have taken the responsibility. So we never had another penalty for the whole season. So we're playing Cowden Beath in our final game of the season. Uh, 10,000 crowd there. Expectations are big that we'll go out and we'll, we'll win and we'll get promoted because we'd come up to the position, the promotion position. So we, we went 1-0 up after about a minute. Then nerves started to, to creep in. I tried to get people back on track. Tommy tried to get people back on track. We then, Cowden Beath equalised. So we're not getting promoted. So the game goes into the last six minutes. It's on YouTube, right? And we got a penalty. So who's taking it? The captain of the team. Now, I was not the greatest exponent of penalties, but um, as I say, this thing about the past, when I went to Dundee 
and there's a reason for everything. Tommy Gemmell, the ex-Celtic player, the greatest penalty kick taker ever, was on the staff there. It was the twilight of his career. And I said to him, how do you take penalties? He says, well, I don't know because I just hit it as hard as I can. And if I don't know where it's going, the goalkeeper's got no <laughs> chance. And I thought, so as I'm walking oh, up love that. With, a, with a ball for the back up, his words came back into my, my mind. And people, I'm walking past my teammates, Tommy Burns said to me, you better score. Guy saying, oh, you can't miss. So that was all a negative thing. So I was just trying to put that off. So a lot of red balloons get off. Uh, and I put the ball on the spot. And as I say, Tommy, Bur- Tommy Gemmell's words came into my head. And I hit it as hard as I could right down the middle. And we scored and we get promoted. The, all the fans came onto the pitch. It was the greatest thing ever for the club. But then uh, I was asked to go full time. And I'd been at tenants for five years and, and came up the ranks. So there was no way that was going to happen. So that was the kind of end of my career. I did that, go back to Forfar and played 28 games for them uh, because it, it was still in my system. Uh, but that was for me the classic because it was an influence on the game and, and got the club. The club then get promoted again, get promoted, and I think it was 28 years in the, the top league. It all started way back when it was second bottom. So uh, that's that's someone's actually uh, made a a uh, thing for me uh, and, and wow uh, love uh, that and I it's, a, it's a phone case it's a phone yeah. case that says number four legends the photograph of me with the crowd after scoring the oh, goal I so love that I went, I went ironically I went back as chief executive of Kilmarnock uh, and I was there for a number of years I would never have got that job if I'd missed that penalty so. <laughs> well like you said everything happens for a reason and uh you know, I, it's extraordinary. That I'm talking to a guy today who had a kidney removed and was back playing in no time. Then he had a cartilage operation, was told he couldn't play anymore. But do you mind do you, do you mind uh, rolling onto the pitch tomorrow for a game? Quite extraordinary. I mean, I can only imagine the conversations that a professional footballer in, in, in the modern era would be having if they just had a kidney removed. So it's, it's pretty extraordinary. Um, I, I guess what I've, you know, what I've heard is from, from David McKinnon today is if you're not sure in life or business, just hit it as hard as you can. That's a, that's a really good mantra to live your life by. I've got two final questions, David, if I may. Um, the first one is, how do people connect with you? How do they connect with the legend that is David McKinnon? How do they find out about ZLX? Do you, uh, do you have a website? Do you have social media? If, if we were trying to find you, where would we find you? Well, I've got, um, uh, we've got ZLX, uh, you know, .co.uk is the website. Um, and I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't do anything else. I do LinkedIn because I think it's it's a good medium. So I'd be happy to join up with anyone uh, and give them advice on R&D because the good thing is that uh, it's got a lot of money back into industry. And can I just tell you one thing? It's turned full circle because... One of the things that uh, when I came into ZLX, I said, are we doing football clubs? No, we're not. So I thought innovation in football clubs is incredible. Incredible. They do innovation standing in their heads. And uh, so we've done several football clubs and got them significant amounts of money back. And we're we're talking to premiership clubs in England uh, and it's going to be significant. We got a Scottish club back uh, probably 
uh, a season's revenue <laughs> and gate money for them uh, because they had they'd done significant uh, innovation. So, we're, but we do it properly. We're very compliant, uh, and that's the key to me. So, um, so zlx.co.uk and LinkedIn, David McKinnon, happy to 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 join up because because one of the things that um, we we are also doing is we've started a ZLX Academy, and that's to help start up companies because. There's a lot of wonderful entrepreneurs out there that need a bit of support and encouragement. And through our academy, we do that and fund them. And we fund a lot of the things for them, marketing, IT, um, you name it. So uh, so that that's another service that we do. Well, you and I will be having a separate conversation because I've got quite a number of clients in my day job that I'll, I'll be sending you away. Um, but let, let's not talk about that. I've got one final question. And the question... Is the only one we ask to all our guests, David. It's a very simple one. If, uh, let's imagine, you know, a, a young apprentice footballer, uh, a, a child of yours comes up to you and says, given all that you've achieved in life, if there were just one rule to live by, if we could just strip away everything else, but it was just one thing I should focus on above anything else, what would that one rule for life be? Believe in yourself. I think that's the big thing, you know, uh, believe in yourself, because if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else will believe in yourself. And you don't have to shout it from the rooftops. You can be quiet, unassuming, but believe in your own ability, because ultimately that you're only in control of your of your own destiny. No one else. People can help you on the way. But unless you've got that uh, desire and you believe in yourself, believe in yourself, because, as I say, I've met lots of wonderful young people who've maybe not had the support and believe in themselves. And once they start believing in themselves, they can they can do anything. Uh, I was brought up in a, a very poor environment, uh, a, a tenement with uh, an outside toilet in Glasgow. Uh, but my parents made me believe in myself. And that was that was the big thing for me. So so that would be the one thing that I would say to, to people. Brilliant. Great answer uh, to a great podcast. David McKinnon, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you are you have just given a substantial number of people from many different parts of the world an awful lot to think about, to act upon, and, and your generosity um, should not go without a great deal of gratitude. So thank you on behalf of a lot of people for sharing so many fabulous insights and stories about a wonderful career, both in sport and in business. So David McKinnon, once again, thank you very much. Thank you, Sandra. Greatly appreciated and very best success for the future.